Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, and welcome to Humanities Matter, brought to you by Brill. I'm Lee Chung Greco, and this week we'll be looking at key issues in the field of humanities. Today we're speaking with Steed Vernal Davidson. He teaches critical interpretations of the Bible as part of the evaluation of the legacies of colonialism in the modern world. His book is Writing and Reading the Bible in Post-Colonial Perspective. Steed, thanks so much for sitting down with us today. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm really looking forward to discussing this. Um, I spent a lot of time in Catholic school having to study the Bible, and um, I'm always interested in the different interpretations of the text. Um, So I'm excited to talk about this. Um, But before we get into the Bible and colonialism, can you just clarify some terms for us? What's the difference between imperialism and colonialism? You know, sometimes people use those interchangeably, but you distinguish them here. Yeah, I think in the historical record, they are um, understood as separate separate events. Um, in on one hand, uh, colonialism involves some form of settlement, um, and 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 for the most part, some sense of permanent settlement. So, uh, a power nation, country, or so on from the outside might just come and take over or settle in a particular in a particular in a particular place um and set up in in many ways its own culture impose its language its religion all these sorts of things so that tends to be seen as sort of a colonialism broadly written where on the other hand imperialism tends not to have the same kind of physical settlement it tends to be more in terms of influence influence from uh from a from a from a distance where other countries are brought into the orbit of the of, of of a controlling power and the control is done from the outside through various means um in some instances you may just have local representatives um who are native to that country or you might send your own who will also take care take care of business so in a sense um um one of the things i i, I points i make is that the difference between these two are only matters of difference from the perspective of the outside power. The people on the inside, the ones who are either imperialized or colonialized, the difference is really subtle for them. And in fact, the big reality is the imposition of this power from this external power. Yeah, and that makes sense with Rome at the time of Jesus as well, right? They were more of an imperial power than a colonial power in the way that like you said, they impose certain things on Rome. They impose taxes. They also set up infrastructure, um, but didn't exactly impose the culture per se. Would that be correct? Yeah, that that would be that that would be certainly true. Because and if if we think basically of Jerusalem as the city or just the broader environs of Judea at the at the time, certainly the political structure um, is is Roman. But they left in place a lot of the indigenous. Jewish cultures, practices, religions, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yes, um, Latin was was the language within which uh, sort of a business and and politics um, were, were were conducted, but the local people continued to use their own native language. So it's only a particular elite who had to interface with the 
with the Romans who were fluent in those 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 issues of of Roman culture and and um, and dominance. So 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 that's one one very good example. And I think for the most part, within the biblical world, what we're seeing is in many sense forms of imperialism rather than colonialism. So yeah, that's interesting then. So with that as the backdrop, how does the Bible justify colonialism specifically, particularly among Europeans at the end of the 16th century when, you know, we really start to see colonialism start start to uh, explode around the world? So one of the, the, the things I, I, I tend to look at in uh, in response to this question is the way within which Europeans understand their their external and overseas explorations and conquests as uh, from a very idealistic perspective that what we're doing is Im- improving the world and making it a better making it a better place. So there's this this sense you will see from the the, the French that they are trying to civilize the world, tame it, and bring it into some kind of a control. The British also had this this also uh, this notion. The Sp- you know Spanish and, and Portuguese, uh, you know, most of them had different varieties of it, and in, and in some sense, they take this idea on, or at least this. If, if if it's not in response to the Bible, the Bible does provide a kind of a justification of going into the world and uh, this, this, this sort of evangelizing mission of bringing people into the kingdom of God, folding them into this one universal church or this one universal religion under this one controlling controlling God. And, and, in, and in some ways, you know, converting them into this this idea of of a better way of life, etc. So, so there are many ways within which the sort of the pictures that we see leading up towards the end of the Christian Bible uh, kind of a, resembles what we see Europeans doing starting in the 16th, 16th century. Um, and and there, there, there are ways within which, if not a direct causation, what you have is a kind of a moral uh, uh, flavor that helps Europeans not feel as if they're doing something quite terrible. No, uh, it, it may not be that all Europeans were interested in doing this wonderfully good work, because for many of them, this was a this was an economic venture. So, so the the, the Bible does um, make some people sleep a little easier at night. I think because if you read it that way, then you then then you could then you could hide the the other aspects of the sort of a colonial project that you're engaged in and constantly foreground. This is about improving things for the for these you know unfortunate people in the rest of the world. So do these colonial powers like, you know, Spain, for example, do they basically see themselves as like the apostles going out into the world and like you said, evangelizing people? Oh, most definitely. If 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 we take the sort of a first uh, colonialist apostle of of Spain, uh, Christopher Columbus. Christopher Columbus's work was more of a religious project than it was either a scientific or or, or, or political project. I mean, you 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 read Columbus's journals and you read what motivates him. He isn't interested so much in in finding in finding a trade route because he wants to improve trade um, with the with the East or to, or to make uh, sea travel much more efficient. Columbus wants a, a route to, to China 
so that he could exploit the riches of the East in order to help Christians recapture Jerusalem from the from the from from Islam. That's that and 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 therefore ushering in the kingdom of God. So 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 in, in one sense, I mean Columbus makes it into a very religiously focused evangelical project. Subsequent generations, it's 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 evangelical, but it's a kind of an economic and other kinds of evangelism that's that's tied up with it. So so, so definitely, yes, understanding themselves as apostles of either a sort of a superior religion or a superior culture and civilization or economic policy are ways within which we, we would see uh, in the document, um, uh, the, the, the historical document, how, the, how Europeans are uh, sort of positioning themselves at this time. Yeah, so let's get back to the document of the Bible itself and sort of the different interpretations of it. Um, I'm very curious, normally, the reading of the Bible or Jesus's life is that there was tension or at least a perceived tension between Jesus and the Roman Empire that somehow Jesus wanted political power. And I always think a good example of Jesus pushing back on that perception is the gospel where he states, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Um, so it still feels like Jesus has some anti-imperialist or anti-colonial sentiment. Um, how do you think gospel readings like this justify colonialism or, I don't know, perhaps the depiction of Jesus or various interpretations of Jesus performing that role? I think this is one of those statements that everybody loves because it means that whatever position you hold, you can find it affirming your position. Um, and in one sense, there, 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 there is Jesus in some place, if you read it, splitting the difference, that there's a realm that Rome controls. And of course, there's a realm that God, God controls. But... I tend to read it as well. These two things are in a face-off. That Jesus is sort of a Jesus lays out the groundwork before us. That what you have is a is an earthly empire that, in many ways, um, is is antagonistic to the heavenly the heavenly empire. And those and 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 as someone who who lives in the, in an age. You have to, in some ways, figure out how you're going to determine your allegiance to one or the other. Now, by, by paying the tax to support the Roman Empire, does it maintain it? Does it keep it? Does it, does, does it, does, does, does it support it? I think in one sense, we could read this as an anti-imperial gesture by, 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 by saying, look, look how dependent this empire is upon the inc income of poor and oppressed people. Could it really be that powerful if, if its power rests with us economically? And you contrast that with the heavenly empire, which makes no demand, which, which is self-sustaining and keeps itself going. So, 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 the, so, so in, in painting the picture, you could hear these anti-imperialistic tones from Jesus, if you, if you certainly wish wish to, to, go, to go in that direction. I mean, there will be those who, who would say, yes, Jesus just affirms the legitimacy of the empire. And Jesus affirms that, that allegiance is, 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 is due to it. But, but I, 
I read it as what Jesus is doing is exposing the, 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 the weak foundations upon which the empire stands and the, the brittleness of what allegiance means to it, because what you have is an empire that cannot sustain itself and under its own weight, its own construction, it will fall and, and, and it, will, it will collapse. Now, so there's a, there's, a, there's a sense in which I think when you read sort of through the, whole, the, the, the most of the Bible, the, the, the Jesus figure becomes one of the more striking figures that is standing against empire and the imperial constructions. So, so, the, so there's a way within which some of what I, what I am arguing kind of looks in, looks in another direction because Jesus gives us this wonderful picture of during the lifetime, is his, his lifetime, where what you do is kind of uh, expose and critique the, the, uh, the, the, the imperial constructions of, of, of Rome. But as you move further through the, the, the New Testament, what you are also seeing are ways within which the Jesus movement is aligning itself closer and closer to the, to the structures and the ideals of the Roman Empire to the point where it does feel as if they either get subsumed into the Roman Empire or subsumed into the logic of the Roman Empire. So yeah, I, I, I position Jesus as this strong sort of an anti-imperial uh, person. And then some, something seems to go a little awry afterwards. Well, and I think that what you just said sort of speaks to the fact that, and you mentioned this before you started your question, that essentially uh, it seems that there's something in the Bible for everyone and you can sort of cherry pick the things that you want in there to justify your own worldview. Certainly. And, and we see this in, in on, on, on several, on several instances. I, I think the, the fundamental question one has to raise is a, is a theological, a theological question. That is to say, um, what's the nature of God? What's the nature of God's relationships with human beings? Who are God's preferred people? And also to do the deep dive within the biblical text in terms of how it has been developed as to how the, the writers, the workers, the, the, the people who are telling us the stories about God uh, align with these, picture, these pictures and depictions of God. And sometimes they don't always line up very smoothly um, because, yes, the, the tensions that you spoke about that, 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 that we see in almost any, any historical moment, we will find tensions around a number of different things. And, and we always have to ask, who gets to tell the story in the end? And, and whose story we hear? So when we receive gospels, we, we always have to be checking and asking how how did this gospel writer resolve that tension that we see within the issues of, of, of the Jesus movement and the Roman Empire? And, and that's one of the ways within which we, we, we kind of do the critical, the critical work and the critical reading so that we, we in some ways don't oversimplify um, things and say, well, it's either this or it's that, or it's completely this or it's completely that. Um, because one of the things that colonialism 
does is to create a, a, a such a stratified and layered kind of a society that it complexifies things. So you, you, you don't always find it neatly neatly laid out as, as well as you would like it to be laid out. Uh, I want to come back to you know, the historical influence of the Bible. Uh, you obviously mentioned before how it influenced uh, Christopher Columbus. Um, you point out that historical evidence does show that the Bible can support anti-colonial movements. Uh, Gandhi credits Jesus as an influence, for example. What do you think happens, though, when we read the Bible as an anti-imperial text? And what does it mean if the Bible does indeed justify colonialism. Yeah. Um, so, so I have I have in mind how um, the in Latin America, Latin Americans started reading the Bible sensitive to these tensions between um, uh, characters in the Bible and the the, the imperial constructions with under which under which they lived. And in Latin America, they, they 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 read and they saw how these imperial powers were were oppressive, and they started to think through. and And, and I'm talking, you know, mid mid twentieth century readings, um, and they started thinking through of how external financial organizations become uh, oppressive for them, um, how uh, external nations um and their militaries become 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 oppressive and and the bible became a way for them to articulate some of those those feelings and experiences and to draw in some sense strength for a a, a, a struggle um against against the powers that they were they were faced they were faced with um that that i think is a is a, is, is an important bit of you know stuff for us to see there are other there are other ways if you start to, to think of of the, the the ways in which enslaved Africans in the United States understood themselves as fighting against the the power of of the of the of a slaveholding system, and and for many many of the the, the revolts of enslaved people in the United States um, were led by Bible wielding individuals who who read the Bible over and over again and just could not come to terms with with what they were seeing um, or what they were being taught or what they were they were being they were being told so 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 the the, the notion of the bible as a justification for for colonialism is not very very far fetched because that's precisely the kinds of things that we were seeing in say the conquest of the americas um whether whether that conquest was being was being done by the spanish or much later other um british and european um, settlers who, who came to who came to North America. There was there was there was there was always that. There is a sense in which we also have to keep asking ourselves, what do the imperial constructions look like in our current day, and the ways within which the Bible continues to justify the kinds of structured oppressions that many people have become quite comfortable with, and and I and I think that. To the extent that we want to leave the question that I'm raising here as simply a historical question, we will fail to see the ways within which uh, biblical justifications for a kind of comfort with, with oppression 
remains remains with us all the ways within which we we don't point out um, sufficiently the excesses of Roman state power, right? the ways within which the power of the Roman state to determine who lives, who dies, and, and to make that those determinations, not necessarily in just simply arbitrary ways, to the extent that we, we, we miss those things when we're reading the biblical text is the extent to which we will miss the way within which state power gets used in abusive and oppressive ways within, within, within our lifetime. And when I say state power, I mean within the internal mechanisms of a state within which we live, but, it, but also within ways in which that state's power gets uh, externalized and um, applied to other people in different parts of the world. So there are these very subtle movements that we also have to pay attention to in, in reading the Bible because it can simply cause us to ignore what is happening be before us and to elide very smooth and easy pictures from the Bible as being unproblematic. Therefore, our current world is also unproblematic unproblematic. That's Steed Vernal Davidson. His book is Writing and Reading the Bible in Postcolonial Perspective. Steed, thank you so much uh, for talking about this. Um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, wish we had more time. Um, so hope to have you back on the podcast soon. Thank you very much. This has been a very good experience for me. You are listening to the Humanities Matter podcast. You can find more podcast episodes on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and Google Podcast.